Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoyed listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi everyone and welcome. Thank you for listening today. Today I have my friend and colleague here, Kendra Cover, and we have a really great podcast plan for today. We were thinking, we were having a thinking out loud session last week and we were talking about women that we coach. And Kendra and I tend to coach the same type of women going through big transitions in motherhood, midlife and menopause. Um, We're both women's empowerment and sex love relationship coaches. And Kendra said to me, like, you know, when do we get to become a woman with a capital W? And so that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to pontificate about that question. So welcome, Kendra. Thank you. I'm looking forward to pontificating. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into it, tell us a little bit about you and what has been your pathway to becoming a coach that works in this space? Yeah. Um, So I primarily, I call myself an intimacy coach. Um, I primarily work with individual women, also with couples. Um, And often those couples are either nearing the transition into parenthood or have already made the transition into parenthood. Um, Sometimes they're even years beyond that, but they're still trying to unravel patterns that got started Mm. about the time they became parents. Mm. Um, And when I think about intimacy, I'm thinking really about self-intimacy first and foremost, and how that builds the foundation for everything else, including intimacy with another, um, including intimacy with our children. And so, yeah, and especially with women, to me, that ties in so much to what we're going to be talking about, because when we work with the self-intimacy on many different levels, physical, emotional, there's like, to me, that is the access point for so much of our sense of power within, Mm. um, definitely our pleasure and how much, even beyond like physical pleasure, like how much goodness we feel like we can hold in our lives, how much Mm. we kind of are allowed to experience. And then also a lot around purpose, like what we're here ultimately really here to do what fulfills us. So I think of, I call my work intimacy work, but to me, it, it like sort of weaves through all those pieces. And I came to it. I mean, in many ways, it feels like, you know, most of my life was headed this way from everything from being, you know, like the, the child of, of three children who in a very stable sort of loving household, but where there wasn't a lot of capacity for um, holding emotions and mm-hmm. meeting children's developmental needs around emotion. And I was the emotional one in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I carried and still sometimes carry the emotion for the rest of the family um, or express it and carry it. So I think in many ways, like I, you know, it makes sense to me that this is my work so many years later, um, because I remember from a very young age trying to navigate, like, how to be in the world that seemed to want me to be just like a small percentage of myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, really, the work really got started when I became a mother, 
Mm. And those years right after becoming a mother in relationship with my partner, just the, the incredible, um, I think both the mothering itself, that piece, and then also the piece of sharing something so precious with another adult and navigating relationship on a level that I never had needed to before. Mm. Um, navigating feeling as, as dependent and like the stakes were so high with another person. Yeah, so like so much came up. We, my partner and I, my husband and I, we separated for years uh, in my son's earlier years. Um, and really the work that I do now was, is a lot about the, my journey um, during those years becoming what I considered a more regulated and just like capable mother um, and also available for like the love and intimacy of my partner. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's kind of a winding road from everything from sexuality and intimacy because I felt so disconnected from my body to more of the relationship pieces around attachment and intimacy and how do we maintain connection even within distress, <laughs> how do we co-regulate? How do we build, you know, that into our household? So those pieces, you know, over uh, about the last 14 years have been sort of building one piece on top of another mm -hmm. um, and began doing this work with women and then with couples over the last five years. Mm. So when we talk about becoming a woman with a capital W, what comes up for you when you think about that question? Like what, what's the first thoughts that come up for you? Hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because for me, one of the first things that comes up is like the, the like juiciness of being a woman, mm. like the joy of it, right? Mm. Like the, what I, and it's funny because honestly, I didn't see this modeled for me in any of the adult women when I was a child. So I think I got it more from like films or something. I don't know, like old films, especially, right? Mm -hmm. This sort of like the dame, like the juicy, like the, I, there's something like, oh, when you've arrived as a woman, there's a certain like way that you embody your, yourself and you move yes. through the world. And Yes. And it's funny that I even realized as I say that, that I didn't see that model by actual living, breathing women in my life, um, for sure. But I still, I, I think I used it as like, oh, there's this moment where I'm going to feel that, right? Yeah. I'm going to feel that level of like confidence, magnetism, um, like I've arrived <laughs> in some way. And then also what it really takes again, to like be in relationship with other adults that are really functioning, thriving relationships yeah. to be in relationship with, you know, these pieces of our adult lives, like money and yeah. creating our purpose and our life's work, whatever that is. Um, mm -hmm. And then the mothering piece, right? Like this, those are, I think to me, the main pieces It's like the mothering piece of actually feeling like I can take care of another being mm. and, and actually be coming from a place of fullness in myself. Like mm. I, to me, I think woman in some really ideal place in me, woman felt very juicy, 
very full, um, like a sort of never ending source of loving mm -hmm. and creativity and all these things. But even as I say that it is such a stark contrast to what I actually saw in the adult women, like as I was a child and then an adolescent, and it definitely wasn't any messaging I got. <laughs> um to you know maybe that that is an ideal but it's mm. it seems like out of reach to most people I would say you know seems to come from older stories too I think mm -hmm. in, in culture doesn't it yeah yeah that's sort of right the sort of the wild woman the wise woman the like all those pieces yeah that we don't see I again don't haven't seen so much in my own upbringing or even current, you know, existence. I don't see that around me a lot, but, um, but there's always been something in me that's felt really like yearning for it, you know, mm. I, and I haven't, yeah, that's sort of more than what we, what we're sort of told to experience. Yeah. And it's, best, it's a sort of an expansive energy that you're talking about. Very expansive. That is present in a person, like someone who, when I'm thinking about it, you know, all the things that you said, definitely. And I'm thinking, you know, a person who is really connected to their emotions mm -hmm. and can really just like, let it, like, let it flow and know that actually she's going to be okay. She's going to be safe. Someone who is really connected to their sexuality and their sexual energy. And, you know, I, I have seen this in a few women and, it's that vitality that, you know, because it's life force energy, there's a, there's a vitality about them as they walk mm -hmm. around that they have. But, it, but what you're talking about reminds me of a story, uh, Jane Hardwick Collins, who does a lot of work in this space as well, tells a story of when she went to speak to an Australian Indigenous elder, and I cannot remember the lady's name at the moment, but she's an author. And ask them about ask that lady about menopause and the rite of passage and going into that wise woman stage. And mm. this indigenous elder said, like, there's there's so few women that are ready to move into this space in this world at this point in time. That are, I don't want to use the word worthy because I don't like that. They're just not ready for it was something that she talked about and then Jane didn't really expand on the story yeah I mean it's a really important there's you know some really important transitions that we're talking about and what is it about our culture that we live in that stops women from stepping into that expansiveness and and the power that they have mm. when they move into these different phases what do you think is is it about our culture that stops them from moving forward and like it's like um growing into mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think we get you know sort of cut off at the at the start yeah and then it's like little by little chips away right um around our socialization around emotion like what's appropriate around gender lines and also just in general as human beings being appropriate in the world mm -hmm. um 
And then we get into like changes in our bodies and it's either just not acknowledged at all or acknowledged with an air of shame Mm -hmm. and no real encouragement to get into the depths of what all that is about. Like, I can't even imagine what adolescence would have been like had there been like a, a group of elder women who actually sat me down, like they were passing on something special to me and like shared with me, like what I might start to notice in different times of the month and, you know, like how I might live with that, like live in peace with that, you know? Um, And that's just, that's just like the first 13 years of our life. (laughs) It's like, and then you keep going from there. Like to Mm. me, there's just, there are no real rites of passage for us as women to acknowledge these, um, these different transitions, you know, they're all focused on kind of the very practical sides. Like when in motherhood, it's focused on keeping the baby alive Alive. and well cared for. And, um, in adolescence, it's focused on just like, how do we clean this up as quickly as possible and move on? Like it's not happening. Right. Um, everything will be okay. You'll survive this. And so it's to me, it's same with, you know, perimenopause and menopause for many women is still sort of treated like um how do we just get you through this you know and uh, to me there's like no sense of ritual or honor in any of these passages for women built into our culture now right now there are little subcultures that that do it but um and then I think along with that there's this this very like um I'm trying to say like put on a pedestal the roles that we we carry as women Mm. um so that we're encouraged like to almost have like intimacy with the role versus intimacy with ourselves oh that's a good way of looking at it tell us about that yeah 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 I mean it's when I think about like we're encouraged and we are encouraged to value ourselves based on those roles yeah right like as women to be a good friend to be a good daughter to be a good mother, Mm. to be a good wife, to be a good anything. Like it's like, so that is like, that is where we are value uh, that messaging that like, that's where our value comes from Mm. is so strong. I feel like. And it's still giving outward. It's not giving Mm -hmm. to yourself. Yeah. There's not really, you know, the, dis- the discomfort of going against that in the name of just like knowing oneself well, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any really experiences in my life that led me more towards self-knowing yeah. away from roles. And it's a lot of discomfort then that we, we get to hold as we heal that. You know, and there's not like a cheering section often <laughs> beside you um, yeah. saying, you've got this. It's so important to know yourself. It's more important than to be good, whatever the role is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's, um, uh, yeah. uh, What was this? I think it's a Carl Jung saying, I'd rather be whole than be good. mm. I I read that the other way that, that actually we don't really, we don't really value the investment in taking the time mm-hmm. to get to know ourselves, do we? No. We, we, we stigmatise people who struggle, mm-hmm. who, who are really not coping with life. And 
and I look at it even in an organizational sense um, and I, if I reflect on you know all my experience in that people like it's a it's a deficit mindset like oh these are your development needs go and fix them mm-hmm. so there's this whole culture that people are subjected to when they start working even in the schooling system you know the grading system mm-hmm. okay you're doing that wrong fix this so we're they're constant messaging implicitly from this time we start learning formally is like fix the things that you're that are wrong mm-hmm. fix the things that are wrong about you fix the things that you're doing wrong um for a lot of girls like there's a lot of criticism around just how they are like how they show up and you know that's not appropriate there's such a narrow range of um archetypes available to us it's kind of like good girl bitch or really isn't it like you can Mm -hmm. be one of those three or you can mix across them and so it just narrows your experience of how you show up in the world yeah and just the, the complexity that we have as humans and all the different parts and aspects of us and that, you know, people go to war with themselves as you and I see. And so when you can help them make peace with this multi-dimensionality that they have and say, actually, it's really normal, mm-hmm. it's... it's um, yeah, it's like the biggest weight is lifted off their shoulders, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that I I love just bringing like the welcoming, you know, it's like the soul, the everything's welcome here and really meaning it, like just the just the messy humanness of life and and that full range of emotions and also like both that it's welcome, that it's necessary, and also that it's incredibly, like you are as a woman, incredibly capable of holding it. Like, I, I think there's also a narrative, you know, there's like a narrative somewhere in there that like we are fragile, that, you know, we are either, <laughs> yeah, fragile or hysterical, you know. That, but even if like, you're hysterical, it's because you're fragile. Right, exactly. Very yeah. true, very true. And it's just, there's something so, um, I just saw just a post and I shared it today, but it's just like this, you know, that um, this unexpressed rage in women covered up with people pleasing is like slowly killing us kind of that or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Right. And to me, that has been one of the, the greatest gifts, both that I gave myself and then that I'm able to give to other women, because I just, I just go in there with my rage and my anger and I give it lots of space to be. And I also create lots of support for myself to be held in it in other ways as well. And I don't Mm. expect, you know, necessarily any one person in my life to hold that for me. It's like, I hold it. And then Mm -hmm. I create containers for myself. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm one of those containers for other women sometimes, but it's like that piece is, it opens up a whole other like hallway of doors inside of us. I feel like when I start, when you start to let that flow in some way and express and realize that like a few minutes in or a little while in, you're actually, you feel a little clean and clear for that moment and you're actually okay. In fact, you're better than okay. There's something pleasurable about that. And then 
there's like this, there's something that starts to, like, I think about like sediment starting to like fall yes. away a little bit and you're like, yeah. whoa, something's, something's happening here. Holding space for that is really magical because like, it's almost like a different woman starts to emerge. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I personally, one thing I realized a few years back, actually, probably in terms of anger too, that I perhaps wasn't expressing it the way that I should be. So I've done a lot of work on that. And um, I'm very good at picking myself up and just keeping going. So I'm very resilient mm -hmm. and probably like, I'm okay, it's all fine. Just like, you know, soothing over, smoothing over. And then when I got cancer and I went through chemo, like what I, I put a lot of like strong containers around myself in terms of my therapeutic support, everything that I just set it all up really well because I knew I just had to like just marinate in every emotion that came up. It's important. You just can't not when you're trying to get through the treatment because it's so challenging. And one thing that I didn't know about myself that, came through with all this is how much sadness I had bottled mm. up over the years even though like I'm a crier like I cry at tv commercials but like deep sadness I think where I have probably overused my strength of just picking myself up and keeping going like good at mm. that rather than just letting myself just be really sad for a period of time and letting it move through and so what I have found, and it comes through when I'm quiet and still, like it's still, I've worked on a lot of it and a lot of it's, you know, old stuff's come up. So I really resonate with what you're saying when you talk about that new bit of you because it does feel, I feel lighter for it. Mm. I feel lighter. And in terms of coaching, I have always been quite good at holding deep space, but I feel like I can go like to a really, really, really dark, deep place now with people and be mm -hmm. totally okay with it because I've taken myself there. And yeah. actually when you do that, there's a lot of joy on the other side of it. A lot of joy. And I think my biggest skill that, uh, it's taught me and I've embodied really well because you can kind of work stuff out in your head, can't you? Like you, mm -hmm. your head's so powerful. You're like, yeah, I can do that. Is, um, is just how to be present, mm. really, really present and not really worry. I don't really dwell on the past. I'm not a past dweller, but I, worry, I think about the future a lot. But like the last two years have taught me like, oh, actually I don't really need to worry about it. Like stuff's just going to work out how it's going to work out. And don't worry too much about it and it's freed up so much space in my body mind it's quite amazing just to be in the moment and just be with whatever comes my way mm. and go from there yeah so it's yeah even though it was really tough it's given me some gifts mm -hmm. and my nervous system's so okay with that now it's just like yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah isn't that amazing 
Just, you know, know. and that's what I'm talking about when I'm if you're listening when I'm talking about the embodiment of it is like in your nervous system that that you are like staying in your window of tolerance and just being okay and moving through with it yeah yeah like, I feel in so your much- mind saying okay but your body's like oh it's really not <laughs> yeah it's not okay <laughs> <laughs> and I feel so much joy just hearing you share what you just shared like I just I resonate so much with it and just the the joy that is on the other side and even like the I just had a client sort of have this aha because you can say this all kinds of different ways and it just sounds like words but then yeah. when someone really does feel like you it. say feel it and embody it you know and she said like there's there's actually quite a bit of pleasure in almost any emotion when I'm really letting myself feel it. And I was like, Oh, Oh, like my whole body lights up, even just saying that now, you know, that is, yes. (laughs) That makes me all tingly thinking like just feeling Mm -hmm. those words. Me too. There is so much pleasure in letting yourself feel and we've been, we get in our own way a lot, don't we? Mm Mm-hmm but we projected onto everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my great gifts <laughs> was projecting that onto my partners or because I had very early on, I was a very emotional being as I shared. Mm. And I just really got so much feedback that that was not going to work. And, and so I think, you know, I had all these creative ways that I was not conscious of that. I just like projected it all out on other people. Um, and I became quite stoic a lot of the time um, mm. and quite kind of hard and disconnected from people. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. And my actually in my separation um, and in those early years of motherhood is where I just got brought to my knees with everything that I was feeling. And yeah. I had these like really small windows of time to to feel it fully (laughs) or I had to get really creative because I was caring for a young you know for a young child a toddler a little bit older and um I was the primary caretaker during that time a lot of the time and then there'd be like a couple weekends in the month that my husband would take him and be Mm. responsible for him and I would just you know I'd sort of close the doors to the house and I would go into like my my hole but it was a very productive hole because I would just I used every tool I ever had learned, you know, and just let myself be in it and be with yeah. it. And I mean, yeah. And I think what you're talking about is something that actually let's name it really explicitly mm-hmm. because one of the things about when you become a mother, that matrescence, well, first of all, let's talk about that word, right? Because mm-hmm. we all know what adolescence is. Not many people know what matrescence is, which is the journey of becoming a mother. But there's been mothers around for like a couple of thousand bazillion years. Why do we not know this? Because it's not honoured. So like you said before, people people help you and support you in terms of caring for the baby, but there's so little support around helping women birth their inner mother and that that time that it takes to Mm. move into that identity and so a lot of women what they experience which is what you're talking about is big emotions like and it's surprising so big anger big frustration big sadness big grief big grief about losing 
a part of yourself, you know, that younger mm-hmm. maiden part of yourself, but also like that freedom that comes with mm-hmm. that. And no one talks about this. And then women feel very isolated. There's shame because they're like, why am I feeling like this? And so I'm just noticing now, also because I have a good friend, um, Belinda Hahn, who works in this space a lot with her online mother's group, the Motherhood Gathering, that it's so important to be able to share stories, like for women to share stories about not to talk about the baby. Babies are great. Mm. We all love them. But how am I feeling? Like what am I feeling? That it's totally normal to express what culture has taught us are these darker emotions about this change in your life that uh, the family of origin dynamics of both families of both partners are going to come into high visibility stuff that we didn't even know existed and part of that transition is us learning how to work out what do we need to let go of and what how do we kind of create something new together yeah. And and that is like the biggest elephant in the room. And it's so distressing for so many women, isn't it? It is. And it is like a huge elephant in the room. It's so strange that we, we don't address it in any real shape or form in our culture. And it's also in many ways what couples are battling with because mm-hmm. there's no, they have been, there's no, there's, there's no roadmap. No modeling. Yeah, there's yeah. no roadmap for how do you navigate all of those family of origin dynamics that are coming yeah. up. Um, the attachment pieces that really like rear their heads much louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like all of that. And in the meantime, as you acknowledge, the, the woman who is mothering is not, she's not prepared for, for the, it's like identity. It's like, to me, sometimes I work with, uh, I have a good bit of clients who are like, no, they want to become mothers, but they're not there yet. And, and I always share with them that like the work we're doing, you're so like, you're ahead of the game here, because they're doing a lot of reparenting, they're doing a lot of like, becoming responsive to their own systems. Mm -hmm. And like, that is a, that a part of that transition that I feel like we all deserve to have received at some point, like yeah. some understanding, some learning around that, some yeah. modeling. Yeah. Um, for sure, if we have it before then, by the time we are actually mothers, but even ideally, you know, as we're like approaching that, um, those skills make everything, mothering, relationship, all of it make more sense. Um, and that is something that, you know, yeah, you get a group of mothers together and they're not they're not talking about that. They're talking about their babies, yeah. right? Like you said, and it's, it's a really, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to even um, bring forward, like what's really hard here. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like even for women who are kind of in it, sometimes I find it's hard to really communicate um, like what might really scratch the itch for them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, years ago, uh, we went uh, out with another couple we're good friends with. We're at the movies and the kids were like five and three. Our kids are the same age. They ended up having a third child as well. And um, and the female in the partnership, I love her. She's hilarious. She's a lawyer. She's very mm-hmm. And um, 
we were talking about just being like really tired and, and both back at work, you know, I'm both enjoying it and enjoying the space that it gave us. Mm-hmm. But I said to her, you know, sometimes after I drop the kids at childcare or at school or whatever and I get to my desk, I feel like I need a gin and tonic. Just like the the whole, just mm-hmm. getting up in the morning and getting out of the house is so full on. And we laughed and and just the tiredness and just the, you know, the emotions. We were talking about this. And I said to her, sometimes I daydream that I just escape on my own to like an island in off the coast of Queensland or something. And she goes, I know, I know, me too. It's like this <laughs> fantasy I have that I just get on a plane and I go to the Bahamas or something like that. We're just <laughs> laughing. But I think this is, I said, I think this is really normal. She's like, yeah, because it oh. felt like such a grind at the time. Yeah. I remember for me, it was like, I was actually the earlier years of my son's life. I was home a lot. I was working, Mm -hmm. but in a field that allowed a lot of flexibility. And, um, and so I remember for me, it was like, there were times where I would be like pulling out of the driveway just to run to the grocery store or something. And I would have this thought, like, what if I just kept driving? Like, I would just have that thought. And I remember thinking, whoa, that's like, oh, it would kind of like surprise me and not surprise me all at once. And then Mm that kind of it didn't even have a destination it was just like what if I just keep going mm. like, what is that you know and just even holding holding that like that part of me too that sort of I don't know like where where would where would that kind of woman go the kind of woman that would just drive away from from all of this um but yeah I think there's so there's so much and we really don't have a roadmap it's and it just it's, it's relentless in that way, like kind of regardless of the circumstances, you know, whether someone's working or not working or, you know, in relationship or not, there's a relentlessness, a relentlessness to it. Um, and, and so I think, you know, my, so if I was going to summarize just my observation of mm-hmm. everyone I've worked with over the years in terms of that passage, I feel like a lot of women just like make it by just day by day and then they get to their midlife transition and stuff starts happening okay and you just kind of yeah you're in this kind of loop of just you know when you and I've even asked a lot of my friends like how long do you you know in terms of matrescence how long do you think it took you to move like really get into that identity of like I'm a mother and I'm okay with it and I feel good in my body about it like it feels Mm -hmm. there's no internal conflict and a lot of them have said to me about four or five years, which would be probably, I would agree, was about the same for me. Um, So I find that a lot of women, you know, they get to that stage and that's great. And then midlife comes, you know, which brings with it a different set of challenges. And so just if you're listening, when I'm talking about midlife, I'm not necessarily talking about menopause so just to differentiate so midlife is most sort of research agrees 40 to 60 late 30s to mid 60s you know for most people and and it's you know loosely defined as moving from our sort of early adulthood first adulthood where we are establishing ourselves in our adulthood very driven by ego career you know establishing our career establishing our family system getting our house getting our car getting stuff you know so a lot of getting 
And then we get to our midlife where we're starting to transition. And it's a slow transition, right, because it happens over a number of years where we move into our second adulthood, which is more about, like, meaning, purpose and passion. Like, why am I here? What, what work is meaningful for me? How can I be my true self in all aspects of my life? Mm. And with that, with that, how can I be my true self? comes a lot of restlessness and it's like a I describe it as like an internal earthquake that gently starts rumbling and then it gets really big and then for women you know we have menopause on top of that which is intertwined within it which is the end of our fertility which is a really you know big change and it's nice though, like I was talking to a friend about it recently and she's a journalist or ex-journalist, she's a content editor, she, has, she writes beautifully and she said to me, we were talking about this and how in Asia menopause is known as second spring. So it's just like, like your second adolescence, it's like your next part of life, okay? And she said to me, isn't it interesting, you've got these bookends on the fertile time of your life, like adolescence is one part and then menopause is the other bookend and then we move into this other realm of our life and I said yes that's so beautiful the way that you describe that and so to me when I think about that with a lot of women you know there's the hormonal changes as our hormones start to decline when we go through menopause which is of course disruptive Mm -hmm. okay because we're it's our body's systems within systems within systems right so one change is going to cause changes in the other so we have this this midlife thing going on where there's this uh this quickening this yearning whatever's going on inside which is really asking of us a question of how do I prepare myself to live well in my second half of life and we're trying to cope with all the hormonal changes at the (laughs) same time and so Mm -hmm. It's a really confusing time because there's growth and decline going on here in this transition. And the growth is, you know, for most people, they're caring for children who are probably teenagers, maybe a little bit younger, depending on when you had them. But but that within within that is a challenge because a lot of women now are having children in their late 30s. They're mm-hmm. going through these like motherhood, midlife, like it's just boom, 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 stacked on top of each other. It's a lot. It's a lot to hold in your nervous system, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And then, yeah, so you've you've got that. You're potentially caring for parents who are Mm -hmm. unwell, who are older, who who may require you to parent them a little bit, maybe not, but that's a reality Mm -hmm. for some people but also for a lot of people in their work life in terms of what they're passionate and purpose about, that, like, they're hitting their stride. So that's the growth bit. And the decline bit is, yeah, well, my body's changing. Yeah. And actually it's slowing down and it needs me to slow down a little bit. And that's kind of hard because the world that we live in now is super fast. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I speak from my own experience of like having to literally slow down so I didn't kill myself. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance there for a lot of people around that. And also around like, I know my body doesn't want this, but also I think 
you know, a male, ex, an ex-client of mine who I just caught up with recently, who's in his late 40s, said to me, wanting to make these changes, he's going through this transition. He said, I, can, I can't continue to pretend to be someone that I'm not. So wanting to leave the corporate, big corporate job mm-hmm. and just go and do something more entrepreneurial and creative because you can only do that for so long. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, you're about to embark on a really big transition in your life that's calling you to go deep inside of you. And I think this transition is a calling inside for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it strikes me a couple of things, like just how layered these pieces are for most women, especially as women are having children later. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely had several clients that are really just like toddlers, mid 40s, you know, like it's all kind of zooming in at once mm-hmm. for them um, and will continue to. Uh, but also like building businesses for the first time in their lives. You know, like there's this like mm-hmm. all this stuff happening at once, like you're saying. Um, and then it also strikes me that like in my own life, like again, I go back to that time of like new motherhood and separation because for me, that was one of those moments where things were really stacked. Mm. And I was trying to make sense of a lot of things you know, at that moment, a little bit earlier in my life, but then this transition we're talking about, but just how, just how ripe those moments can be if we are willing Mm -hmm. to go on the, you know, more internal journey with them. Um, You know, my life looks completely different because of like really going inside during that time. Mm. Um, And I just, it's interesting to me how it, like, I think one of the questions that comes forward for me is how do we build, again, sort of honor and excitement around these transitions, just like I wish we would for, you know, young girls and women and adolescents. Like how do we build um, that combination of like, yeah, this is gonna be kind of like we said about the full range of emotion earlier, like, yeah, this isn't always going to be easy, but it, it's gonna. There's going to be some real joy and aliveness, and a new a new woman is emerging from this, and this yeah. is exciting ultimately. Yeah. Um. If I can, if I can really, I can really get in there and be with this this process, you know. But there's just like you said, there's not much that invites us really in to slow down to that degree, um, and really dive in to this like multiple layer of transitions happening. Almost well, it's, it's hard because it, culturally there's not a lot that enables us to do it unless we get sick yeah. really like yeah. or we just you know all the you know there's some big change or fracture in our life mm-hmm. that we're just like you've got to stop you've got to slow down and if I think of my male friends you know because I'm 49 so my male friends you know what I see with a lot of them in this midlife transition is because a lot of them have been really big into their work life and there are a lot of them at stage they're like I don't really want to do this anymore. Like I want to spend more time with my kids. Mm-hmm. No, I want to do stuff that's really meaningful that, you know, has a broader community impact, which, you know, I totally get it because I do think that we in this midlife transition, you know, a lot of it is about harvesting all your skills, knowledge and experience and, and the wisdom and mm. discernment that you have gained through life. And I think, you know, people are like, why does it happen now? And I'm like, well, because 
you have the life experience, the knowledge, the skills, the discernment to be able to look at what's going on quite clearly mm. if you let yourself slow down and pause, if you listen to those internal whispers, so not projecting it out and trying to mm-hmm. self-soothe and band-aid it with, you know, shopping or new cars or Botox or, you know, whatever, um, face the fact that you are ageing, okay, face your mortality. Mm. We do death so badly in the Western world, (laughs) so badly. Um, Think about how you, particularly for women, I think, you know, reviewing how have I gone through transitions in the past and looking at the habits and patterns of how you navigate transitions. How do you go into it? How do you stay into it? How do you come out of it? What have been your coping mechanisms in the past? Because actually at this point with all this experience and discernment, you can rewrite your story about what, like how you want to be in this transition. What do you want your vision for your second half of your life to be? Mm. Because you can do it. You can totally do it. And I think that surprises a lot of people. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, you can rewrite your sexual story. You can rewrite your transition story. You actually can do this. And you yeah. and I know this because we've done it, but we also coach <laughs> people around it. So we know mm-hmm. that it's possible. But I think so for possible. them to, to hear that, that we, you know, this is one of the things that I love about coaching when you go and do this work, to be with another person who believes in you so much mm-hmm. and knows that you can do it and is here to just hold that for you. It's very powerful, isn't it? It is. It is. And that's what, I mean, I feel like in many ways, so like until we have a culture that reflects these things back to us, that is one of the one of the like sacred places we can do this work mm. is in more like one-on-one containers, mm. uh, like coaching. Um, yeah, to have someone like you said, just reflecting that back, holding that possibility, seeing it as completely possible, and you completely capable of it, mm. and really like you know seeing in you what you desire <laughs> like it's just that simple you know it's like that you do get to re- rewrite it yeah and again that always sounds like just words and then there's a moment where when you just do the work one step after another like get to know your nervous system and body so you can mm-hmm. sort of track what's really going on for you mm-hmm. that starts to open up some new possibilities and then you start to add in like well, what do I even want you know and then you and you got someone saying cool you want that great let's do it you know and it's just like one little step after another yeah we're totally capable of rewriting um, this story around transitions and around hard moments and around how we want, yeah, who we want to be as women, as sexual beings, it's it's very exciting to me. I don't know. I just, I th- I feel I feel lucky that a couple of things, I guess. That one that like this is m- the work I do, and and that it was you know my own journey that came into it. But the work I do that like to me, this is the most natural thing in some ways. Yeah, and to be entering this these transitions myself, personally, I'm grateful to have that perspective. I still also need people holding space for me yeah, in it because we all have our own blinders, but like still to have to be coming from that come from of like, Ooh, now I get to, I get to do this however I want. 
Yeah, and I think I, I 2,000% agree with you. And, and, and I would also add, you know, I think with women, particularly with the midlife menopause transitions, is that because it is, it's very complex because there's, there's multiple things going on. And so, you know, your story, how you feel about aging, like health and wellbeing is really key. Mm-hmm. Like you, with the big changes, I think that lifestyle changes really need to be addressed. And part of that is, um, you know, you accepting the changes that are going on in your body and grieving over, you know, what you haven't been able to do so far or what you have been able to do. Um, and doing a bit of reading and understanding your hormones and really because like we haven't had a lot of I mean I'll admit until I sort of hit my 40s I hadn't really read much about hormones obviously I knew how I felt after being pregnant and I really started doing a lot of research into this transition for myself and it's very hard to have empowered conversations with your doctors in your life if you don't have a baseline of information and I speak from personal experience when something goes really really wrong like Mm. and they say like what questions have you got well I don't have freaking questions because I'm in shock okay and um then going and doing some reading so I encourage people to to read and there's some really great resources out there Mm -hmm. that have come out in the last couple of years around all of this so there's a lot of information at your fingertips and you know a lot of people complain about um the doctors in their life not listening to them i get it totally get it but also we have a responsibility to educate ourselves about our bodies about what's going on inside of them and in my experience when you have that knowledge you have some great conversations with doctors Mm. Right, And they're really willing and up for a conversation because they want people, they, they want to be more collaborative with people around mm. taking responsibility for their health. And then I think also, like you and I have talked about this whole podcast, there's a piece around really doing that deep emotional work and making friends with your emotions. Like uh, we have been culturally conditioned to repress them and that shows up in a number of ways and we you and I work with people around that all the time that's why they come to us it's been also our life experience and they're meant to be in motion like that word motion is in mm-hmm. there for a reason <laughs> and, you know when yeah. you let it move like it yeah god it feels really good and it feels you feel powerful so mm-hmm. to me you know like the, the woman with the capital W, the, and I you know, think of this as the wise woman, and I think this, for me, this transition is a lot about coming home to the essence of who you are, right? Mm. So for me, the woman with the capital W is the one that's done the work and, yeah. you know, has connected with her sexuality, her, her emotions, is, you know, taking responsibility and accountability for all of those, but for her health, for how she how she's feeling, is able to talk about it, is able to feel it, is able to just be with it. But it's also about really understanding how all that cultural conditioning that we are all exposed to, which is rubbish, Mm. like you've been able to like cut through that and like, oh, I'm feeling shame around my sexuality because of all these things that I learned through culture 
all of these. Mm -hmm. That's actually not really me. Yeah. That's just a story that I've been told about how I'm supposed to be and show up in the world. But actually, I don't care about that because this is who I am and you can show it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I, just to even like tie that piece around sexuality in even more, to me, it's like, being willing because we both like mentioned it a good bit but not yeah, really, really got into really it. like connect right to that in yeah. and for me one of the things that I really see happen and this also ties into the emotional piece the full giving yourself really diving in there and giving yourself yeah. permission to to feel and move it all is that that builds a sense of capacity to like I can actually handle I can handle the discomfort yeah. that's going to come from bucking against the story I've been living thus far, right? Whether that's coming from outside of me or whether it's coming from inside of me, because it'll come from both places. So it's like, if I can hold anger and shame and grief and actually even feel a little joy at the end of it all, then I'm not like discomfort becomes like, great. Like I have that with my coffee in the morning. That's cool. I can handle that. I can handle a little discomfort, you know? Yeah. Fine. And so that to me is like that part of that capital W woman too, is like, oh, I oh no, I've, I've gone so fully into like feeling and moving my shame that a little shame sprinkled in doesn't bother me anymore. Or I can hold it, you know, I can, I can hold it. It's not comfortable, but I'm okay with discomfort. And that to me is such a big part of this is like, at first clients, it's almost like, it's not that they say this, but it's almost this feeling of like, let's do that until it gets uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh no, well, they, the discomfort is just built in. It's just the flip side of whatever we're doing, like the good stuff. There's yeah. going to be this discomfort. And anyone that you're looking at that you think has figured this out without discomfort, like they're just not sharing they're that. Bypass. Yeah, they're not sharing yeah, they're it. They're either bypassing, bypassing it or they're, they're not just, sharing it. Yeah. Not, yeah, it's like you don't see the discomfort I hold when I take the time away from my husband and son. Like mm. when I go into my little solitude time, I have discomfort around it. It's not that I don't have the same thoughts that other women might feel around like guilt of, am I, should I be doing this? Or is my partner doing it the quote right way? Or, you know, the way mm-hmm, I would have mm-hmm. it. Like those kinds of thoughts, but I'm just like, what I get from it is worth the discomfort for me. And so that just like that idea that like, we're going to, we're going to be able to do this without discomfort is, is I think what it, it's a fallacy like, yeah kind of unconsciously stops us in our tracks around a lot of the things that we want as women because we're surrounded by discomfort the minute we like you said we have this narrow little passageway that we can stay within these few little archetypes mm-hmm. and so everywhere outside of there is gonna feel, feel uncomfortable. uncomfortable yeah yeah and, and I guess when you push on your edges as you expand into these new ways of showing up in the world it is going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to feel awkward yeah like clumsy I'm clumsy mm-hmm. naturally so it comes easily yeah. to me but yeah like, it feels, <laughs> like yeah. it feels yeah it can feel uncomfortable and that's okay mm-hmm. and also being able to talk about it with your partner and just say, yeah, so I can't remember a couple of weeks ago, I had an adjustment with my chiropractor. And every time I do that, you know, a whole lot of stuff comes up mm-hmm. and he was like, what's going on with you? I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm feeling really uncomfortable about something. I'm not sure what it is. If I'm a bit weird in the next day or two, just like go with it. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe, you know, 15 years ago when we were first together, I just would have been really weird and he would have got really anxious. 
and gone like what's going on but now I'm just like oh I'm just feeling really like awkward about something or really you know oh this just happened oh I'm feeling like a shame hangover you know mm-hmm. so we've got actually quite good at talking to each other about it and then you know you just let them go and just do their thing and you know I dance around the house I like dancing yeah. that's my way of moving it my kids mm-hmm. are like oh she's dancing again yeah okay <laughs> Yeah, I'm here for the dancing. Lots of dancing. <laughs> yeah, so so like embodiment practices are really good ways of moving that energy. Like it just mm-hmm. wants to move out or there's a whole lot of somatic practices, which Kendra and I both teach people that are like ways that you can just actually let that energy move because you're actually also completing a stress cycle. Yeah. And it's been frozen in your body and your body just wants to move it out. And so it sort of moves into that fight and flight energy or well, that icky feeling yeah and like mm-hmm. you say it's like the it's like the tap that's been blocked and when mm-hmm. you turn it on it's like the muddy water comes out so the <laughs> discomfort is the muddy water isn't it yeah and then oh, it moves that. through and it's clean water mm-hmm. and that feels really good <laughs> yeah and I, yeah. and I think and I think just to expand on what you were talking about with sexuality and emotions at the same time I mean Another benefit of connecting with all your emotions is there's a lot of emotion in sex. Yeah, yeah. And so, what are we? What are we? What are we missing out on? I don't. I don't mean to bring the FOMO thing in, but like, mm-hmm. imagine, imagine how much more expansive and how much more conscious your relationship with your sexuality be for you personally. But also when you're with a partner, if you have a partner, when you let those emotions just do their thing. Yeah, it's such a like, that's another yes. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) sort of like wildness. You can plug in whatever word, you know, anyone prefers. But to me, there's like a a sort of inherent wildness of like a turn on in my body that has turned so far up the more that I've let emotion move through. And that's just like going through my day, but then also in relationship to self-pleasure or, or pleasure with my partner. And that, and that there is a safety in my system of like anything can come through during those moments of intimacy. First of all, that safety that I'm not sort of like constantly trying to turn the tap down during, you know, that, that doesn't feel very wild and free and, and wonderful. But then also in my life, you know, there, and my clients experience this all the time, which is like, there's just, there's like a different kind of simmer in their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. The more that they sort of open their bodies around emotion. Right. And where, like you said, where those can be literally locked in places in our body, in a sense, Mm. blocking a lot of the pleasure that we, we would otherwise have access to. So it's, and that I, yeah, go ahead. No, you you say I was just going to say in that, like, even like that adds this other layer, which I'll share, which I think I was meant to say earlier, which is that, and then I find when women start to experience that simmer and that greater pleasure, there starts to be this like feedback loop. That's like an upward spiral of like, yes, at their own bodies. Yes. A sense of honor that no one ever allowed us or gave us when we deserved it back as children and adolescents. And then, see, even as I say this, my body's like lighting up. Because yeah, then like too. we we become kind of unstoppable. I mean, there's like something else starts to happen. Again, that to me is where that capital W woman emerges too, is that like you, no one can take away from me the 
like full body all I'm in after self-pleasure where I experience, you know, things I've never felt before in my body. Yeah. There's not really, no one can give that to me and no one can take it away from me. It's this very full embodiment of like, I am all inspiring. <laughs> I am woman. <laughs> like that is that moment where it's like, I am. Yeah. Woman. I mean, to me, what I was going to say when you were talking, I was just thinking about music and, you know, like a song that's got a really good bass in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And when a woman, like all those things you were talking about, like, cause the bass is like the foundation. Okay. It's just, mm-hmm. like, it's just there and there. And like the woman that you're talking about, her bass is strong. Yeah, right. I love that. See it, like <laughs> she's walking along, yeah. and you can see it in her energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, that like it's there and it's never going away. That's the thing because once you find this part of you, this bass rhythm, it's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. And it's that connection with your life force energy, and and like you say, knowing that actually, I can deal with all of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to come out stronger. I mean, I would say for me personally, like with my my health in the last couple of years and dealing with cancer, because I'd done all of this work before that, I used every tool that you and I know mm-hmm. to get me through it. And I came out okay. Like my, my GP says to me, like, I can't believe how well you've come out of all of this. It's just amazing. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's because I used everything that I know, right? Mm-hmm everything that I know to maintain that I stay connected to my body, that I had pleasure in my body, that I enjoyed pleasure in my day, that, you know, and I knew my base was there the whole time. Does that make sense? It does. I love it. I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> that's making my base louder. <laughs> it just it feels so full of truth and life, what you're sharing. It's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it's available to all of us. Yes. Yeah. It's always amazing to get emails from clients where something occurs. Like, it's like, we've been doing this work and then there's like a layer, something happens, you know, it's all whatever the right moment for them. And, um, it is, it's available for everybody. It's still magical to me though. when like the first sort of magical moment unfolds for a client with their own body and their own self intimacy. And they're like, okay, all right put this in the pamphlet, right? Like this is, this is what I signed up for and didn't even know it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that actually like being in that present moment. So like slowing down, just Mm. slowing down and, and being slow is safe. It's okay. And there's so much power in it that actually I feel bloody awesome when I'm like Mm. this and I'm just gonna stick with it yeah yes I apologize my my dogs if you can hear them that's okay we we can cope with dogs I think that's probably (laughs) a good place to end it anyway it is I know I'm just like savoring what you just said and yeah slow is one of my slow is more okay slow is more for sure yes slow it down Mm-hmm. thank you so much my pleasure thank so you so if people want to find you so your instagram is mm-hmm. it's my name kendra cover yeah mm-hmm. website uh kendra cover.com and are you, you on a facebook group i do called into the wild of womanhood okay yeah 
Beautiful. Thank you oh, so much. That was such My a good conversation. Pleasure. I'm so excited about it. I know. I can't wait right? to edit it now and get it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it immensely.